the Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Peter said to Jesus, We have given up everything and followed you. What will there be for us? Jesus said to them, Amen, I say to you, that you who have followed me in the new age, when the Son of Man is seated on his throne of glory, will yourselves sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has given up houses, or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or children, or lands, for the sake of my name, will receive a hundred times more, and will inherit eternal life. The Gospel of the Lord. Book of Proverbs speaks of a single-minded search for God, seeking of divine wisdom. And if we do that, if we seek her, then we will understand the fear of the Lord, the knowledge of God, and we'll find it. Do that, however, demands a total abandonment of oneself, total renunciation of everything that the world would consider important. And to consider what that really means, there are few who are willing to do it. We conclude by saying, if you do this, they do understand rectitude and justice, honesty, and every good path. Only those who do it are able to really understand that freedom. Today's gospel, I think, is rather beautiful. It would seem as though St. Peter is asking a very self-serving question. And in many ways he is. But in another sense, he's asking it on part of all humanity. He's asking the question that you and I might be afraid to ask for fear of being too bold or self-serving. Um, what will there be for us if we have given up all this? And St. Peter at this point doesn't know exactly what that means. He has no idea of what he's going to have to uh, abandon before he can actually do what he suggests they've done. Up until now, he hasn't given up much, except to be following someone who's very popular and doing uh, incredible things. He doesn't understand the sacrifice yet. However, then tells them what in fact they will receive. He gives them a direct answer to a rather impetuous question. We celebrate today the feast of one of the greatest saints in the history of the church. Someone who really affected the history of the church in such a way that you and I are very likely here to some extent because of St. Benedict. St. Benedict was born, we think, around 480, by around 547, I think. Um, and at one point he decided to abandon the world, so he did. Went off to Subiaco in Italy, where he lived as a hermit in a cave. You can still see that cave. There's a statue of him in the cave, too. And uh, another monk, as the monks were back then, sort of 
determined by whether it's structural. And the structure was not formal. We bring food. And it wasn't easy to get to him. We were making food regularly. And he wanted to live as a government in fact to people. His life did. He did. He wanted to live a life such as his. So he wrote his rule, the rule of St. Benedict, the rule of Western Damascuses, which almost all rules, not all, most rules are taken. They're never bothered to St. Augustine and St. Columbia. The St. Benedict became the most popular because it was a rule for monks, but it was a rule, too, of moderation. It wasn't so severe that people were afraid to live as some rules had become. And so it attracted many people, and it flourished so much so that we know that it was only the Benedict monasteries that saved Western civilization. Saved not only literature, art, which is was, but also to save the culture from the Dark Ages. It's interesting is that, that God should bring about something such as St. Benedict, just as the world was going into the Dark Ages, to preserve the church and to preserve the culture through that difficult time until it church would blossom again in the Middle Ages um, with the great uh, expansion of learning and knowledge in all areas. Theology, uh, philosophy, uh, science. But during the Dark Ages, it was the monks that preserved it. I remember when I was in college, things were just changing with Sunday. Seminary in those days, actually since the 16th century, had been very monastic in structure. You lived a monastic life. You got up a certain time, you had morning prayer, you went to class, everything was structured. Readings during the meal, uh, there was night prayer at 7, 9 o'clock, and there was grand silence until the next morning to practice. And of course, with the time of times of upheaval, Unless prayer is the absolute, the 
the essential first element in our life, our whole life won't be unbalanced. It won't be structured. It won't really be focused at all. Um, prayer has to be the very center of it all. Our spiritual life has to, has to determine everything else and be taken with everything else. You can learn that all of us from Sam Hedley. I think our world has forgotten that. There was a time when even family life was structured that way. Uh, not so much today. But I think we need to get back to that if we're ready to get back to a really focused life at all. Thank you.